Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. This is Robert Rogers, and I wish to extend a happy pre-Thanksgiving Eve greeting to each and every one of you who have joined us on this live radio program today. Parkinson's Recovery supports and sponsors and hosts a radio program on the Internet each and every week on Wednesdays. Our mission is to be able to find individuals who have wonderful ideas and suggestions for individuals who are looking for ways to get sustained relief that are associated with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. My guest today is compounding pharmacist and nutritional counselor Randy Mincer. Randy does not have or is not currently experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's. And many of you already know Randy because he has provided consultations of a medicinal nature to countless individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. Today, however, I convinced him to do something very different on our show. Randy will talk about his own personal struggles over the past year with his health. And as you'll soon discover, if you're like me, you're going to be sitting on the edge of your seat, his discoveries have profound, and I want to repeat, profound implications for anyone who happens to currently be confronting the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So here is my first segment of my pre-recorded interview with compounding pharmacist and nutritional counselor Randy Mincer. I had asthma as a kid. Uh, that was before steroids or anything like that, so I know how uncomfortable that was. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'll take this, take you through this. I had when I was a kid in junior high school, I had asthma, and my parents took me to a asthmatic specialist, and he ran all these tests up and down my arms, and he found out that I was allergic to 36 different things, and he told my parents to go home and get a sample of each one of those uh, things that were uh, I was allergic to, like I was allergic to cat fur, dog dandruff and all kinds of plants and things, and they did, and they labeled it and came back to his office, and he made up a serum. He customized that. That was kind of impressive. It is impressive now, but he customized that, and I started taking um, shots twice a week for a number of months, and then after that, I took shots once a week, and then once every two weeks, and then once a month, and then once every three months, and so on and so forth. The last one, I think, was six months apart. And that was the last time I got sick, really. I was I was healthy after that. When I was in school in 1966 at the University of Kansas, um, I experienced a an acute asthmatic attack at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I woke up and I couldn't breathe. My bronchial tubes were frozen shut. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to die. Um, and then suddenly it was gone. And since that 
period of time, I have not been sick, except for one time in 1981 when I had pneumonia. Okay, so bring this up. I was experiencing some uh, tightness, not tightness, but some breathing problems. I couldn't breathe very well, and I thought maybe my uh, asthma was coming back because I realized that once you have asthma as a child, it can return sometime, maybe 50 years later, and it was 50 years later, and and so I was concerned about that, but I had I was also running a pharmacy at that time, and we were negotiating to, to sell the store, uh, which is a long process. And uh, so I started using herbal products and things that I knew helped asthmatics, but they didn't work very well. So we sold the store, and I still worked at the store, but I started phasing out. So here it is, November, and then we had December, and then we went into January 2009, and I and, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I'll go into the to the um, walk-in clinic and just check this out because it wasn't getting better. And I knew that I was doing the right things, but it wasn't getting any better. Well, I did that. They came out and said, uh, come back here and we need to talk. They had checked my blood pressure and it was sky high. They checked my pulse, and it was sky high. And they did an EKG, and it was crazy. It was all over the place. And they said, you need to get to the emergency room, and if, and I th our recommendation is that we would call an ambulance and have them take you over. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this is very interesting. And I said, no, I'll drive over. And... So I looked at it, and they, they, uh, my pulse was about 140 or 150 beats a minute now. And uh, so that's pumping very inefficiently. And, and, and my blood pressure was just sky high. So I said, well, let me think about this, and, uh, but I'll go over. And I went down to my office where we're sitting today, and uh, I was down there for about an hour, and I decided, well, maybe I should go in. <laughs> and I called my wife, and I said, I'm going to go over to, to the emergency room. So I went over to the emergency room, and they checked me in. They had these young medical doctors who were asking me questions like, well, you have something called atrial fibrillation. And I was thinking, well, okay. Um, and so who's your doctor? And I said, well, actually, I don't have a doctor. He said, you're a pharmacist, right? You don't have a doctor? I said, that's correct. Uh, what, are you taking any medications? I said, no, I'm not taking any medications. And when was the last time you saw a doctor? I said, for sickness? Uh, it was 1981. <laughs> And they're looking at me like, here's a pharmacist who doesn't have a doctor, who who is not taking any medication, hasn't seen a doctor since 1981. What kind of guy is this? I mean, this this they were all looking at me like I was nuts. And um, so they did admit me, and they put me on three medications. Um, they put me on diltiazem, 
which helps to bring blood pressure down and straighten out those those um, pulse the 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 the, the um, <coughs> excuse me uh, it it helps bring down the blood pressure helps to straighten out the pulse make my heart beat on a more regular basis and they also gave me lisinopril which is a blood pressure medication and they also gave me a water pill which um, is um, is a diuretic and so it helps my body get rid of excess water so I, I actually agreed to those three because I knew I needed something something needed to be done and they also came out and said well we want to put you on Coumadin as well now Coumadin is warfarin which is a blood thinner and I says no I'm not going to do that I don't I don't want to have anything to do with Coumadin and they tried to convince me and I said no so they wrote it in my notes you know that uh, he's not going to take Coumadin how about aspirin I said no aspirin is not a vitamin and I'm not going to take aspirin once a day and uh, to keep my blood thin uh, I'll find other ways um, for example what do you think of fish oil and they looked at me like I was really crazy or ginkgo and they didn't we, we don't know what that stuff is and so so I, I didn't take the Coumadin but I took the other three and I was in the hospital for about five days and and I can tell you that all the people in the hospital were very very nice to me um, the nurses, uh, the, the staff, the doctors, they were, with the exception maybe of one, but they were all very nice, uh, even though they thought I was a little bit quirky, you know, for a pharmacist anyhow. So I talked to them and I said, what do you think caused this? And they said, well, we don't know what caused this atrial fibrillation. And I said, uh, well, if you're going to treat something, isn't it better to find out what caused it? How can you treat something if you don't know what caused it? Well, they kind of looked at me again and, and uh, <clears throat> didn't actually like the kind of conversations I was getting into, but they respected me. They were very nice and tolerant of me. And so um, I think the second day I was there, cardiologist comes in and talks to me and he says well what's your cholesterol levels I said I don't know what my cholesterol levels are and there again they're saying well you're a pharmacist don't you know those numbers I said no I don't know what those numbers are and he said when was the last time you had your cholesterol checked oh I said about maybe five years ago and he just had a fit, you know. And he started talking to me about diet and exercise. I said, you know, my diet is really boring. I get up every morning, have a protein drink and some, some supplements. At lunch, I'll have a salad, a green salad or something like that. In the evening, I'll have salad, fish, um, greens, you know, vegetables, and so on and so forth. I said, that's my diet. Every day, that's my diet. And so 
I said, if you want to find out what my cholesterol is, they're taking blood about every two hours, and they've got this drip coming into my my vein. Just check my cholesterol. So they checked the cholesterol, and I and and he came back the next day, and I said, well, what's my cholesterol? And he says, it's 143. And so what he had in mind is for me to take a statin drug to lower cholesterol. And I said, I'm not taking a statin drug, I'm sorry. Lipitor is the number one most prescribed drug in the universe, and it has all kinds of side effects. I'm not going to take anything like that. And then he left. He gave up on me. That's the last time I saw him. Another doctor came in and said, um, it seems like you've got some fluid build up here someplace. We don't know where or why. So we want to take you down and uh, have them suck some of this stuff out. So the next day I went down into the basement and the doctor comes up and he says, we're going to put this needle in your back and see see what the and, and suck this out and see what it is. So they did that. So I sat there and they sucked this stuff out and uh, it was like three pints of liquid came out. And I looked at it and I said, let me, let me take a look at that. And uh, they looked so I looked at it and it looked like beer to me. <laughs> and and say, well, what we want to do is uh, find out, we'll, we'll do, run some tests and find out what's in this and where it came from and so on and so forth, because they, they really didn't know. And um, so I came back and they said, you've got some irregular cells in there. And so we think you should see an oncologist and just check that out. So I, I did, I made a, an appointment to see an oncologist uh, and I, I saw him maybe two or three weeks after I got out of the hospital. So I was talking to this hospitalist again and I was saying, well, I don't understand why I got this. I know I have high blood pressure before uh, building up because I haven't been exercising. I was running like 20 miles on the weekends and my weight was down, uh, not that I was heavy, but it was it was down and I felt good, and uh, my blood pressure was down. So I thought that's what was taking care of it. The problem was my knees. I had to stop running because of my knees. I couldn't run anymore. And so my weight started coming back, and I know that my blood pressure was uh, going up. And do you think that was part of it? I said, well, we don't think so. I said, well... I'd just like to find out what caused this thing. And uh and the one guy said, I don't we don't know why uh why you got this. I'm looking at you, Mr. Randy, and I don't see a guy who's sick. And you don't you don't look sick, you don't talk like you're sick, you don't feel sick because I felt good. I didn't I felt good in the hospital. So we don't know. It's, we just don't know. So I left the hospital, and um, within a month, I decided to go off the water pill. 
and the the water pill I was taking uh, when I left the hospital was was something called spironolactone. It's a potassium sparing diuretic, keep fluid uh, from accumulating in your system. So within a month I went off of that. So now I was on two drugs, and another month passed, and the lisinopril I went off of that as well. Um, but I had a blood pressure cup, and I was checking my blood pressure like three or four or five times a day. So it wasn't like I was being slovenly or anything like that. And I don't recommend people do this. I'm just telling you this is my experience, and you should not do what I've done just because I did it. Uh, you should never make any changes in your, in your um, prescription drugs without first consulting with your licensed health care provider. And so I, I did have a doctor at that time. Uh, the doctor I had is a medical doctor. I've known him for a number of years, and he practices alternative medicine. And so we get along pretty good together. But now I'm his patient, kind of. And so I'm still on the diltiazem. And so now it's into March or April or, you know, and I'm talking to him about going off diltiazem. In the meantime, I was taking herbal products. I was taking, for example, I was taking um, hawthorn, which is a natural tonic for the heart in a tincture form. So I was doing drops. I was also taking coleus for scoli, which is another herbal product that takes blood pressure down. And I contemplated taking something called Rowulfia serpentina, which is an Indian herb that also reduces blood pressure. And we have people who come into our pharmacy looking for those types of herbs because they know they're good and their blood pressure is a little bit high. Um, those are the things that I was taking, plus some, a whole bunch of other um, supplements such as magnesium. Magne anybody who has heart disease should be on magnesium. And so I was doing that. Um, and, and so I go into the see the doctor and I went to him two or three times, maybe once every couple months at that point. I was still checking my blood pressure. I still check my blood pressure. I probably always will check my blood pressure at least several times a day just to make sure that there's nothing funny going on. And that blood pressure cup has uh, a pulse rating too. So my pulse from, from, from January throughout the, the, the rest of the winter and into the spring, perfect. 65 to 70 pulse beats uh, a minute. 65 or 70 beats per minute. And uh, no skip beats whatsoever. So I'm talking to my doctor uh, and I'm saying uh, one, one of the things that kind of bothered me when I left the hospital as they said I had cardiovascular disease. And I said, 
What do you think? Do you think I have cardiovascular disease? I mean, these guys are telling me that I have cardiovascular disease. And he says, well, he says, that's their opinion. I said, well, what's your opinion? He said, I'm checking your heart. You're, everything is in really good shape. Pulse is fine. Blood pressure is fine. Uh, there's no there, there's there's no indication of any heart damage. That's what they said in the hospital. There's no heart damage whatsoever. And so I thought, okay, what is your opinion? And he said, I don't think you had cardiovascular disease. And to me, that was an awfully smart thing to say. <laughs> because I didn't think I had cardiovascular disease either, and yet uh, that's what they put on there. And actually, the the fellow who uh, I was talking to about the Coumadin, he was trying to convince me about the Coumadin, and he says, well, if you don't take the Coumadin, the risk for stroke goes up every year a little bit. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's make a date in five years and go out and have a beer, and we'll discuss that. <laughs> and, and so he kind of laughed a bit. Um, that's... Uh, I don't, I don't know if he wrote that in my notes or not. So according to the doctor I was seeing, I did not have cardiovascular disease. I had gone off my uh, water pill and my blood pressure pill. I now is ready for the next step, and that was to go off the diltiazem. And what I decided to do, the diltiazem was um, 120 milligrams uh, once a day. It was a long-acting 24-hour regimen. And so <clears throat> we decided to drop that down to 60 milligrams once a day, which is a 12-hour uh, long-acting capsule. It wasn't that I was having side effects from any of this. I just didn't like the idea of being on prescription drugs. If I go back to when I was in the hospital, I could have walked out of there with five different prescription medications. Now I was down to one, and I was thinking about how can I wean off of that. Um, I continued the diltiazem uh, into the summer, um, actually until about the last part of August into September. Okay. Now, let's Going back to the oncologist, so the oncologist takes a massive amount of blood work, and they're always they say, "Well, what insurance do you have?" I don't have insurance. I never did. I don't like insurance either. So here's this <laughs> pharmacist who doesn't like insurance, but I am on Medicare since I'm over 65, so I have to be careful about that. In fact, I wanted to leave the hospital, and they said, well, if you did, Medicare wouldn't pay for the whole thing, so you're going to have to pay this big bill. So I said, okay. I, I reluctantly told them that I was on Medicare, and, and I stayed in the hospital for five days. So the oncologist um, and I were sitting there talking, and he says, you've got some abnormal cells in your blood, and I'm worried about cancer. I'm worried about multiple myeloma. And we should take some preventive measures here. So what I would suggest you do 
is is take this medication that's very similar to Fosamex. Now Fosamex, in case you do know or don't know, is a drug they give mostly women to help to um, contain osteoporosis. There are many side effects to osteoporosis, including this dead jaw syndrome, which you don't want to get. We have a product that is in the same family as Fosamex that we can give you IV. And what you do is you come in every two weeks and sit in there for about three or four hours and get this IV. In that way, we can we can reduce the risk for multiple myeloma. And I laughed. I says, I'm not going to do that. I said, what's the risk? Well, if you if you don't do this, the risk may increase one or two percent per year. <laughs> and I said, for crying out loud, I don't expect I'm going to live for another ten years. I may not even live for five years. I might die from a heart attack. I might die from any any number of different things. Why would I want to do that? And, he's, and so he he was kind of puzzled about this. I was in his office in a little room, and I walked by a, a bigger office, a uh, a room that was filled with these guys sitting there with. If you can imagine everybody sitting there with IVs going into to their blood. And I thought, gosh, you know. And I knew this one guy comes up. Oh, Randy, what are you here for? And he looks like he's about ready to die right there. <laughs> and I says, oh, I'm just here for, um, you know, something that's not, not important. But uh, th it takes a while to recover from that IV thing. I'm not going to do that. So he writes out some some more lab reports that he wants me to do. And um, so I, I I look at it and I think, oh, okay. I took it home. I thought about it. I looked at it. And the next day I took back and I said to the receptionist, you know, Medicare is broke. I'm not going to take one more cent of their money for me out of my grandkids' pockets. So here's the lab report back. I'm not going to get it. And I walked out. And that's the last time I saw the oncologist. He wanted to see me every two or three months. And um, so I could get multiple myeloma sometime. I don't know. I could have a heart attack today and die. I don't know that. Now, in August, I went to a nutritional symposium. Now, these nutritional symposiums, I have to go to a certain number every five years and then take a test to get recertified. And what I have found at these nutritional symposiums, they're wonderful. And you you come across doctors, medical doctors, medical doctor PhD types, with 
credentials that are outstanding and they walk out on the podium and they're looking over a crowd of four to five hundred clinical nutritionists which also has every one of them has some sort of a degree in medicine and they're astounded sometimes you hear things like wow if I would have if, if I was invited to, to talk to a group of, of medical doctors, AMA sponsored, and I walked out here and started talking about what I'm going to talk about, they'd all walk out. But here's an audience that is willing to listen and learn about natural medicines. And so one of the guys that I listened to was was a guy by the name of... of um, Stephen Sinatra. I almost said Frank Sinatra, and that would have been just <laughs> uh, Stephen Sinatra is a cardiovascular surgeon, um, and he's practiced for like 30 years. And he's written a lot on natural medicines, and he is he is uh, has a, a long history of of doing natural things and being very receptive. So he's starting to talk about something that I think is really fascinating. So let me back up just a second to when we sold the store. We sold the store. I wasn't going to retire. People think I'm retired. I'm not. And I opened up a small office down the street. And since I was starting out with zero, um, I want to keep my cost down. I know how much it is to have a, a telephone. Uh, in my store, the telephone, my telephone bill was $400 a month. It was just ridiculous. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'll use a cell phone. I had a cell phone. This is the cell phone right here. It's through AARP. And this is it's made by Dora. And... This cost me 20 bucks a month. So I said, I'm going to, this is what I'll use. So when people call, they'll get my answering machine on that cell phone. The problem is that I can never find it. It, it just drove me crazy. <laughs> and the phone would ring, and I couldn't find it. Where is that son of a gun? <laughs> and, and, oh, there it is. It's under this pile of stuff. And so I thought, how can I, how, I, 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 the reason why I got it was because if I was running out on the trail and I hurt myself or something like that, I could call. Uh, but I never used it, and most of the time I forgot to take it out on the trail. So I just sat there. So I'm not used to um, having cell phones. So I thought, how can I overcome this? So I got a lanyard and I stuck it through here and started wearing it around my neck. Now I, I was not doing that anymore, but because um, I I didn't I didn't like the idea. I kept forgetting to do it. You know, it's just just me. And and so I but but I was doing it for maybe a month or so. 
and Stephen Sinatra was talking about something that I'd never heard of electromagnetic fields those electric magnetic fields are so interesting and he was talking about um, the negative impact that these fields have on our health such as microwaves I knew microwaves were bad I never use a microwave I tell people get rid of your microwave in 20 years from now nobody will have a microwave because they'll learn how how bad it is for your health and I can talk to you more about that sometime but about these electromagnetic fields and he was talking about studies that were given years well over the years I should say on these these people who work for the power companies who go up and repair the power lines and so on and so forth uh, like 130 of them over a period of 30 years well they found that most of them died early they had cardiovascular problems and other problems and, and they had a shorter lifespan you look at these towers around they're emitting these uh, electrical responses that are harmful to your heart, harmful to your body. And then he said, "Anybody have cell phones here?" And several, you know, several hands went up. And uh, he says, "I have a little gadget here that is called." Uh, electromagnetic um, pollution uh, detector yeah it's a electromagnetic pollution detector so why don't you bring up your cell phone and I'll see if we get a response and so somebody brings up their uh, cell phone didn't get a response this is a blackberry and blackberries are much better than some of these other phones one lady comes up with her cell phone and he gets it close to the cell phone to detect this pollution this electronic pollution and you hear this <laughs> I mean it is so loud you can hear it down the hall and he says get rid of that cell phone that will kill you it's emitting these a ferocious amount of, of uh, impulses that are very harmful to you and I sat there and I knew instantly what caused my atrial fibrillation because this phone was sitting right there less than an inch from my heart so I talked to Dr. Sinatra afterwards and I said is it possible that having this cell phone here could have started this atrial fibrillation now this is a cardiologist who has been doing surgeries for 30 years he says absolutely right I know that 
there's a reason for everything and there's a cause for everything I just had to figure out what the cause was of my atrial fibrillation now I knew so I don't have cardiovascular disease my blood pressure is a little bit high I'm a lot of everything is else is normal no but I was kind of paranoid to keep my blood pressure down to where it was when I was in the military and I was in really really good shape and I remember taking my because I was a medic in the Air Force and my blood pressure was like 96 over 58 and my pulse was 45 and you look at these professional athletes like like basketball players that's where theirs are they're running five miles a night you know air up and down five miles a night and they're really pouring it on they have big hearts and they're incredible shape and the muscles are wonderful and wow that's what I was trying to get my blood pressure down to and I'm keeping track I've got it I, I put it in my computer what my blood pressure is what time it was what day it is and so on and so forth and uh, first part of September I get really sick uh, I've got uncontrollable diarrhea every two weeks or every two hours I'm going to the bathroom I'm not making it and I can't sleep I'm getting hot flashes and I think what in the world is going on so this is November the 10th when you say September that's about uh, three months ago yeah well Less than three months. Less than three months yeah. ago. And what we're going to do is take a short station break so we can now hear yeah. the next part of Randy's absolutely fascinating story about what's happened to him over the last year. I'm Robert Rogers. My guest is nutritional counselor and compounding pharmacist Randy Mincer. If you think the story's been interesting so far, you're not going to believe what you're going to hear in our next segment. For those of you who happen to be members of Parkinson's Recovery and access the member website on a regular basis, I want to remind you and encourage you to be sure and listen to the daily meditations this week. They are specifically tailored and designed because it is Thanksgiving week. Of course, I record meditations every day on the member website for members, uh, but the meditations for this week are specifically designed to encourage you to be able to give thanks to all that is wonderful, good, and positive in your life. So be sure to connect in to the member website. For those of you who might be interested in accessing it, you can get in there for free without any problem, and you could do that by going to parkinsonsrecovery.org. The, uh, the free access is... Uh, three days, and so you can basically go in, grab lots of information, listen to lots of interviews and meditations, and then all you have to do is uh, pull out before the three days are out, and you won't be charged a cent. 
So now back to my pre-recorded interview with Randy. So I'm, I'm Robert Rogers, and I'm talking with Randy Mincer, who's telling us the story of what's happened to his health situation over the past year. We are now up to the month of September of 2010. Time goes by so fast. This year has been such an incredible journey as far as my health goes, and the year isn't over yet. <laughs> so hopefully the rest of the year is going to be a pretty cool. So I was trying to get my blood pressure down, and it was dipping down below 100 over... Um, 60, 50, and and I thought, wow, this is good. And and but I was thinking in the back of my mind, maybe it's not so good. Maybe it is not so good. Then I get this this disease, this diarrhea, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm trying to figure out why. Why do I have this? My wife is saying, you got the flu. You got the flu. Go see somebody. I says, well, who am I going to see? If I go to the walk-in clinic, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to give me something um, to clear up the diarrhea. Uh, they're going to give me. Some, they're going to suggest that I take some electrolytes, and they're going to suggest that I get lots of rest. What else are they going to do? I'm already doing that. So this went on for like two weeks. I lost a ton of. Well, not a ton, but I lost more weight than I thought I was going to lose. I, I, I was surprised when I finally got on to the scales and lost, see, I've lost 20 pounds. But I was also getting weaker, and my wife was very, very concerned, and I was very sick. And um, I was trying to do everything I could to maintain what I normally maintain, so I get up and get my clothes on and I was becoming wobbly I was getting weaker and she was very very concerned about that at that time also she says now we're in about halfway through September she says have you looked in your mouth recently I said well I wasn't paying attention to it look at your tongue it's totally white there's a gum on my tongue that is white. You've got thrush. Thrush, thrush is a yeast infection. So I went in and I looked and gosh you're right. This, this is, I've never had a yeast infection before and, and this is called thrush. So now what are we going to do? And I thought okay here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the probiotic. We have a wonderful probiotic that we sell in, in, in the pharmacy. Um, and what I want you to do is take the capsule and pull the capsule apart and dump the, the contents on my, on my tongue. Now, a probiotic would include something like acidophilus and bifidus and a couple other of those probiotics in combination in this capsule. It's a really, really good one, uh, combination. And um, what that will do is it will kind of kill 
the yeast infection, but what we're really trying to do is to change the environment so that the yeast infection will die and go away. And here again, if I had gone into the emergency room or someplace to a doctor, uh, they would have probably given me an anti-yeast uh, pill that's a prescription item that has side effects. And so I, I didn't want to do that. And so we took the probiotic, dumped the contents on my tongue, and I closed my mouth and swished it around for several minutes and, and then swallowed it. I mean, this is the same type of thing that you find in yogurt, and, except it's in much more concentrated form. And uh, I did that like three times a day after eating. I mean, I wasn't eating very much either. And every day you could see it getting better. And it took probably two weeks before I kept forgetting to, to do it because I didn't see anything in, in the mirror. My, my tongue was back to normal. So there's another natural thing that you can do. So that was uh, that took care of the thrush. Uh, in the meantime, I started to figure out why why I'm, I got this. I've got to figure this out. And I know I was driving my wife crazy because she was very worried about. It. And then I came up with the thing. I came up with, I think, the solution to what happened. At the symposium, there was another doctor, uh, who, Dr. Schallenberger, he's in uh, Carson City, Nevada. And he was talking about low cellular energy. And what that low cellular energy is, is that, that your cells were not getting enough energy so your cells started wearing out basically and if, if we look at what is the goal of every single cell every single living thing on earth the primary goal is to stay alive that means you have to either get energy you eat or you have to make your own energy so these cells take raw materials like coenzyme Q10, uh, magnesium, selenium, ribose, and all these things cross into the, to the cell. And each cell has at least one or many more little miniature cells, we'll call them, called mitochondria. The job of the mitochondria is to create something called ATP. That's adenosine triphosphate. It's got three phosphates. And if that cell needed energy, it takes that ATP, the one that has the three phosphates, and breaks one of those bonds and you have a blast of energy. That's what keeps the cell going. And so, if you don't have that burst of energy, if you don't have all the materials, raw materials to, to make this, that cell will eventually die. And you, it'll, it'll become tired, it'll age faster, and it will die. So I was thinking, um, this is really fascinating because 
I was diagnosed three years ago with macular degeneration. I'll come back and talk to you about that in just a minute. So I wanted to talk to Dr. Schallenberger because he was down there talking about macular degeneration. And macular degeneration, there is, there is no treatment for dry macular degeneration. But he was talking about how to increase the cellular energy and actually overcome this macular degeneration. So I was very interested in that. I was also diagnosed with bone on bone in my knees. So I went to the orthopedic guy, the doctor, and uh, he showed me the x-rays and said, you're bone on bone. And if you're on bone on bone, you know, which, which surprised me. I thought, well, maybe I have some inflammation there and it just needs to be taken care of. But I was bone on bone. So he says, I'm a candidate for knee replacement in both knees. So I'm listening to Dr. Schallenberger and I'm talking to him afterwards. And he pats me on the shoulder and says, Randy, I'll take care of you. We can reverse that macular degeneration and we can, we can grow cartilage. I thought... I, I never knew that once the cartilage was gone that it could regrow. Well, I'm finding out that that's not exactly the case. That it can actually regrow if you do the right things. So I, he's talking about this energy on a mitochondrial level. And how do you increase the energy on the mitochondrial level. One thing is that you, it needs oxygen. It needs the aerobic type of oxygen. How do you get oxygen into the cell? Well, there are some ways, and, and one of the ways is to change your supplements. So I was looking at the supplements when I was sick, and I thought, I've got to start over. And so I, I changed all my supplements. Of course, I wasn't... In previous to that, I stopped the diltiazem. What, what I think happened was I stopped the diltiazem. Um, I started taking some rewolfia. Now, rewolfia does have side effects. And so when I did that, I got sick and it happened almost immediately. And so um, I went off everything that I was taking and I started to reintroduce things according to Dr. Schallenberger's plan. And one of them was ribose. Ribose is a sugar. Ribose and magnesium. I was putting it to powder it's called Corvalin M. I was putting it in a power and drinking it every morning. And I started getting my strength back. And I started to introduce some of the other supplements like coenzyme Q10 and magnesium, more magnesium. And I slowly increased this one step at a time because I didn't want to go back and get that sickness again because that was slowly getting better. But it took it took um, 
two weeks, over two weeks, for me to reverse this diarrhea and and exhaustion because I wasn't sleeping and hot flashes and all this other stuff. Because I was, I'd get up in the middle of the night and I'd change my clothes because I was wringing wet. So I slowly got better. And I figured that what I had was low cellular energy. And that probably had an effect on my immune system. And I probably had some sort of a flu. So now, every day I was getting better. I was getting my strength back. Uh, I wasn't as wobbly as I was. You know, I could... I was having difficulty getting up off of a chair, but now uh, I'm I'm fine. There's nothing wrong at all, and and the thinking, my gosh, that was just really an interesting experience. We'll be right back with Randy Mincer after this short station break. I'm Robert Rogers. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and my guest today is Randy Mincer, who is a compounding pharmacist and a certified nutritional counselor. I want everybody to know that you can download any of the previous shows that I have aired over the past two years from the radio show page, or you can download any of those shows by going to iTunes, I-T-U-N-E-S, and some people report to me that they get better uh, recordings if they go to iTunes. Of course, it's free no matter whether you go to iTunes or whether you go to the radio show page. You'll find a vast wealth and body of information from the individuals that I've uh, had as my guest on my shows who talk about many different ideas of what you could do to get sustained relief from whatever symptoms you might be currently experiencing. I've taken all of that wisdom and written it up in Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. So there you'll find it indexed and organized and clearly written so that you can understand what it is that people have said. You can also listen to the shows, of course, and there you'll find the information as well. So there are many different uh, sources of information uh, that can give you incredible ideas of the many different therapies and modalities that are out there and available to you, which can be considered and that have been giving countless individuals incredible relief from the symptoms that they have been experiencing. Randy also had a few additional comments uh, to make on atrial fibrillation. Here he is. With atrial fibrillation. And since I took myself off the drugs that were prescribed to me, and since I had the experiences that I've had this year, I asked the question to a doctor, has anybody who's ever had atrial fibrillation been cured? And the response was, never heard of anybody, never heard of anybody being cured from atrial fibrillation. And I've had consultations with other people who've had atrial fibrillations going back to like the 1980s. So I'm t- sitting here talking to him and I said, you, you, why are you taking this medication? Well, I have atrial fibrillation. Well, when did you first get it? 1980. You've been taking that medication since 1980. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that you stop taking that medication. In fact, I don't discuss this with anybody who has 
atrial fibrillation because I don't want him to go to the doctor and say, well, Randy got off of this and he's not taking this and, and have his doctor get really upset because I would be telling people that. So I have to be really, really careful that I don't suggest that people do what I did. But so far I haven't come across any doctor who has told me that atrial fibrillation can be can be cured. In fact, one doctor that I talked to said, well, it could come back. Well, yeah, it could come back. In the meantime, I don't have it. And uh, I could die tomorrow, too. But in the meantime, I'm going to live. So I think it's important to understand that everybody's different. And uh, uh, what is good for me is not necessarily good for somebody else. And But I'm hoping that the lessons we learn can be valuable. Obviously, atrial fibrillation is not a symptom that's associated with Parkinson's, but the story ought to resonate with many of you. I have many people who ask me the question, is it really the case that there's anybody out there that really is getting relief from their symptoms? Is there anybody that's actually recovered? And the answer is, well, yeah, and how do I know that? Well, begin to listen to some of the previous shows that I've aired. I've talked with individuals who are telling us their stories. So don't please be suspended in disbelief. The reality is that there are many, many choices available of what you can consider doing that will, in fact, make a huge difference to how you are feeling day in and day out. Yes, it turns out to be the case that there are many individuals who are getting incredible relief from the symptoms that are associated with Parkinson's disease. Note, I'm telling you the same story that Randy just pitched when he was talking about his own personal experience with the diagnosis of atrial fibrillation. So I was thinking that uh, I, I really liked what Dr. Schallenberger was talking about. I really liked about what Stephen Sinatra was talking about. So I thought that I, 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 I uh, found a gold mine in this symposium that affected myself. In the past, I've found gold mines, but this this was really kind of personal. It's talking to one of my associates at the symposium about my needs and he was saying uh, now he's a compounding pharmacist from Houston he said there's a guy down there a medical doctor who does something called prolotherapy now prolotherapy is when you inject salt into the knees and it, it salt is an irritant and it helps to stimulate the growth of cartilage and I thought well that sounds pretty interesting if I can avoid uh, knee replacement, that would be a good thing because I don't really want to have a knee replacement. The problem with the knee replacement is that, uh, and I was talking to a guy, an associate down there also, because he had two knee replacements. In fact, Pila has had knee replacements also. Is that after you have the knee replacement, you can't run. And there's a likelihood that you have to have another re- knee replacement down the road someplace. So I was trying to avoid having that experience. And so this guy was talking to me about injecting uh, salt into those joints. And this doctor in Houston 
sees I don't know how many patients a day from all over the country who come to him to have this done. So I'm thinking that uh, prolotherapy, I knew a guy up here, a doctor up here in the Northwest who did prolotherapy, but he passed away. But he had an associate, a naturopath, and I called the naturopath and I said, well, what do you know about the prolotherapy? And he says, well, I wouldn't use prolotherapy, but I met this doctor in Carson City by the name of Schallenberger who does another type of thing. It's called ozone therapy. And I thought, wow, that's interesting because I just talked to Dr. Schallender at this symposium. So I called Dr. Schallenberger and he was explaining to me about ozone. Ozone, of course, is oxygen, O2, plus an extra oxygen. So it's O3. And uh, he does uh, something that's a little different, but he's been doing it for a long period of time. And so he was comfortable in it. And it's, it's not injecting the stuff in the knees, which hurts like crazy. You can imagine somebody injecting your knees with salt water, or it uh, doesn't sound too good. But what he says, he takes, he goes in and, and takes some blood, a unit of blood, and mixes it with ozone so that it is totally oxygenated. Then he takes the same blood and puts it back in. So I thought, he's a medical doctor, he's been a ER doctor for 10 years before he got involved with anti-aging things and he's very very innovative and very well thought of this isn't somebody who's operating in the back of his garage uh, so I, I, I'm not saying that I, I, that's what I would do but I wanted to talk to him and so we had a consultation on the telephone and he told me a number of things that I should do including he's got a a uh, test called bioenergy testing and so that will test a lot of things with oxygen the way he tested and, and it's computer it's a computerized test uh, you breathe into this instrument and, and do certain things and it's recorded and he measures oxygen inflow and outflow and carbon dioxide he can get all kinds of information from this if you're if you're a uh, uh, carbohydrate metabolizer or if you're uh, or, or if you metabolize fat it depends on that balance whether you can lose weight or not lose weight and what to do about it and there's there's a ton of stuff in this uh, test that it's very valuable so I thought well that's one thing I need to do to, to check out to see what my oxygen levels are um, so I had that done last week actually in Portland there was a guy down there who does it so the oxygen thing is really really important and one of the things that Dr. Schallenberger told me to do is go get a eye test for macular degeneration a certain specific one and so I called the eye clinic and I said I had macular degeneration and I want this Humphrey analysis done so she put me down I had an appointment with the ophthalmologist and uh, so I walk in there because I had been diagnosed with macular degeneration three years ago sit down there and go through the eye exam but not the Humphreys 
and she says, Randy, you don't have macular degeneration. What? You're kidding. I was diagnosed with macular degeneration. I sat in the doctor's office. I looked at the computer screen. I saw those drusa there. She says, there's no drusa. These are little free radical damage things in the back in the macula that you can see under a microscope and that's what I was looking at. She says you have something else. It's a milder form. I thought, well, there's a misdiagnosis right there. So it, it just goes to show me that if you get a diagnosis, it's always a good idea to get a second opinion. And she says, no. And she says, I said, well, I, I, I'd like to have this Humphrey analysis done. She says, well, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have, I, I have here, this is a big clinic, and I've known these guys for a long time. But she says, I'm a macular degeneration specialist, and this is what I do. And so my opinion is you don't need the other one. I said, I want that other one because... Uh, this Dr. Schallenberger requested it for his analysis. So I have to get back to Dr. Schallenberger and say, I don't have macular degeneration, so now what do I do? Because the right eye has something. It's called epiretinal membrane is what I have, not macular de degeneration. And so I have to get back to Dr. Schallenberger and think about uh, what we can do now. I'm going to get some information together and send down to Dr. Schallenberger about my knees. That through all this time, that there are people, there are doctors out there who really do have a handle on certain things. I mean, obviously, we need to do a lot more research in a lot, in a lot of areas. And then I thought, listening to Dr. Sinatra in his, in his electromagnetic fields I need to read his book the book is called Earthing and if you want to know um, about grounding and earthing you can go to his uh, book it's called Earthing just E-A-R-T-H-I-N-G either that or you could say ear thing but it's called Earthing uh, in the back of his book is a website that I would suggest you go to. It's www.earthinginstitute.net. It's www.earthing e r excuse me e a r t h i n g institute.net, and and he's got all kinds of information on that about grounding. Now, so why? Why is grounding kind of important? Well, this book will tell you what they did over the last 10 years. How they got involved with grounding, how they got involved with earthing or earthing. And I think that it, it would be a good idea for people who have degenerative diseases to pay attention to this. Now, 
simplistically speaking, and I'm saying this is not from a, physic, uh, uh, a physicist point of view, because I'm certainly not a physicist, but the surface of the, of the Earth has a negative charge. And I, I found out in this book that at any one minute uh, you know, over a 24-hour period of time, the Earth is bombarded by like 5,000 lightning bolts that recharge the, the surface of the Earth and uh, to maintain its negative charge. Now if we go back thousands of years, we find that people didn't wear shoes. They were, they were, they were barefoot. And the Indians, for example, the American Indians, uh, invented moccasins. And those moccasins are made out of leather. Those are okay. In fact, you can even go back to the Garden of Eden because I think Adam and Eve slept on the ground. And people for thousands of years have slept on the ground. They've been close to the ground. And you can even take a look at wild animals. Wild animals don't get sick. Did you know that? Bears, wolves, turtles, they don't get sick. You don't have those animals getting cancer unless they are They live in an area that's polluted by man. But they don't get sick. Wolves don't get sick. Elk don't get sick. In fact, uh, he tells a story of... Because uh, one of the authors of Earthing tells the story of uh, when he was a kid. He lived in Montana next to an Indian reservation. He knew a lot of Indians growing up. And he said uh, this one father had a four-year-old daughter who had scarlet fever and she was dying. And what he did was he he dug a, a hole in the ground, wrapped her up, put it in the hole, and I don't know what time of year it was, but um, made fire around it so she she wouldn't get uh, cold and she overcame the scarlet fever why was that? because it was close to the ground the Indians, the ancient people had reverence for the ground they had reverence for the Mother Earth and they knew that there was power in the dirt in, in, in our environment in our Earth and uh, what we've been doing is insulating ourselves from that power by wearing shoes that are rubber that insula uh, insulate rather than to distribute and we have found over and over again over the last 10 years these guys who wrote the book who are in, uh, responsible for this book have found the power that of, of the earth and even in this modern day society if you take your shoes off and walk in the dirt uh, in the grass for half an hour a day it'll make a big change in the way you feel one of my associates down at this symposium was saying he said, you know he, he knew about this and he was at a gathering of his family his kids and grandkids and some of the grandkids were were acting up. They were being unruly. And he walks over and he says, okay, you guys, 
let's take our shoes off and take a walk. They walked around the block, came back, and they were fine. Uh, it's the stories that I'm hearing and reading about are pretty interesting. And uh, so it's not in, in, in this country, in the Northwest, it's not too good. I've tried this sitting out in side in a chair with my feet, my bare feet on the grass. And of course it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sit out there for a half an hour. <laughs> not going to work too good. So what these guys have done is um, create these grounding pads. And that's why I'm here today in my bare feet with this pad. And you can get this. I'm not selling these, but but you can get these um, online, or you can tell you can call their organization. But I would go online uh, on on Earthing www.earthinginstitute.net and get information. I think it's fascinating. I really do. I'm not sure it's going to help Parkinson's, but I can tell you throughout the book it ref uh, there are many anecdotal stories about arthritis, uh, depression, uh, heart disease, atrial fibrillation, um, all sorts of things that have improved dramatically when people start grounding themselves. And so that's basically my story. Uh, I, I don't know how much of an effect my story is going to have on somebody who has symptoms of Parkinson's disease. But I think that it's worth exploring, and and if this thing works, if it helps to improve something, there are no drugs. This is drugless therapy. It doesn't cost very much. You can do it yourself. And so, why not try it? So to hold up the pad, it looks like it's about eight inches by a foot and a half or so, and there's a wire that comes at the end. Is that plugged into an electrical? Yeah, you you go to your socket and you have your socket and then there's a little hole down below. That's your round. And so, if if you bought something like this, you would get a little, you get this, you put it together, and then you get a little tester that you put in that third little hole to see if it's grounded. If it's not grounded, it's not going to work. So once once you test. Um, and, it, and it's grounded. You can do that. You so it goes into the grounding part of the. Yeah. It, you're not actually putting it into the electrical oh, no. charge. It's no, into it's the grounding. Yeah, that third little hole. And then you can, like, if you were sitting at your computer working, you can, uh, without your shoes on, you can yeah. put your feet as you. Because as we've been talking, Randy's been uh, sitting here in his bare feet, and he has yes. his feet on the pad. Right, <laughs> right. And and these come in different sizes. This is made out of, uh, I don't know what material this is, if it's nylon or whatever, but you can see little, uh, a little pattern, there little squares. And this is made out of silver. Silver conducts electricity. And so they've done research for 10 years now. Uh, the story itself is very interesting. It's very interesting reading. So I think that once you start reading this, it'll be hard for you to put it down because it really is fascinating. These come in different sizes and uh, some people uh, put them on their mattress they sleep every night you can't get enough grounding it's completely safe 
it's 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 non-toxic or anything like this. I, I can tell you one or two stories. Um, one of the things that they did when they were getting involved with this, discovering things, was that <coughs> the Tour de France bicycling tour in, I think he said, 2004, 2005, and 2007, the U.S. bicycling team really ruled that, that, um, that race. And as you know, if you're a bicycler, bicycler and you, you're racing up and down the mountains and, and across the, the fields and so on and so forth, that must take a heck of a lot of energy. And the ones who do well in it have some sort of reserve. Some, somehow they renew themselves. Because if you're sleeping you have to get up and ride 100 miles and you do that every day you're going to wear yourself out what they did with our team was have them ground themselves at night and so when they woke up the next morning they were refreshed more so than the other teams and they dominated this, this race and uh, so I thought that was rather fascinating. There's also a story of, of uh, a marathon where this guy was running a marathon and he got through about halfway through and he had the big uh, blister on his foot. And he said, I'm, I'm going to have to either stop or do something. So what he did was he stopped for a moment, took his shoes off, and ran the rest of the race barefoot. And when he crossed the line, there was no blister. And you look at these long-distance runners from Africa. They run barefoot. Uh, it's, it's really an amazing story. And so throughout this, they're talking about people who have benefited, who have had rheumatoid arthritis, who've had osteoarthritis, who've had heart disease, who've had depression, all sorts of things that are associated with uh, degenerative or, or diseases or, or whatever. And um, I think that we would be much healthier if we walked barefoot. And you can, you can walk on grass, you can walk on dirt, you can walk on concrete, because concrete is made out of materials that that uh, um, will tr uh, transmit electricity. Asphalt, like blacktop, does not. They're made out of chemicals, petrochemicals and so on. They do not transmit electricity. But, anyhow, that's what I kind of learned, and uh, I'm healthy now, and uh, I'm strong now. I'm, I'm feeling good, and uh, uh, I'm anxious to make a decision or whether I want to do this uh, ozone therapy or not. <laughs> and I'll keep you up to date if you want me to. And I can provide a testimonial that I am sitting next to a healthy, vibrant, strong man. <laughs> there is no evidence whatsoever of any illness, imbalance, or disharmony whatsoever. To think that I could have walked out of that hospital with five prescription medications and today I'm 
taking zero and I've rearranged and, uh, and, and taking different uh, supplements to help support the amount of oxygen in my blood and in, in the cells. Uh, I think that's really now here's here's what I think happened in September as is and this is what caused this this is the cause of it sorry uh, I just realized that I didn't explain that very well when my blood pressure got too low that means that my heart was it wasn't it wasn't weak but it wasn't it wasn't forcing the volume of blood through the uh, the heart so that the circulation wasn't as good now one of the things that you have to understand about blood one of the purposes for blood is to take oxygenated blood through your body drop it off on a cellular cellular level and pick up carbon dioxide and other waste material and bring it back to the lungs so the, the lungs can get rid of carbon dioxide and toxins and so on and so forth. And I realized that this wasn't happening because my, my heart was not pumping strong enough. And so uh, the ingredient in there is hemoglobin that's the one that's the little cell that carries this around and I I probably didn't have enough hemoglobin so I went to the doctor you know my doctor and I said make sure you check my hemoglobin my hemoglobin is fine which further confirms that what was happening is I don't think my blood was or my I don't think my heart was pumping blood as strongly as it should have so I let my blood pressure come up so it's a little, it's moderately high, but it's, I mean, I checked it, uh, I kind of forgot to check it because I was at a seminar last weekend, and here it is Wednesday, and I kind of got away from it, but I'll get back on it, but uh, Thursday it was 150 over 80, now the 81 is really important, and that's without any medication, nothing. Now stress also has something to do with all this. There are other things that have to do with this but I realize in my own body that when I started using the supplements that would improve uh, cellular energy that I started getting better and one of those is ribose ribose is pretty cool it, it passes through the cell into the mitochondria and helps to uh, to to um, create ATP which is used for energy. Ribose is a sugar but it's also a reaction limiting factor. In other words, if you don't have ribose you can't do anything else. The grounding pad that you so eloquently described is the cost of this $1,500 or $2,500 or how much money are we talking about to purchase this grounding This pad? thing has a one time expense of $3,500 for this but today <laughs> we will give it to you 
for the low price of sixty dollars. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's great. I've got one very important question to ask you, Randy. Now, I'm pretty certain you're probably not using your cell phone like you were before. How are you taking calls now? How do you do it's that? It's over here someplace. There, there it is. It's a Blackberry or it's something? not a Blackberry. It's uh, I don't know. What, it's it's a um, oh Droid. Oh, the new version, which is uh, I, I guess so. But I'm still scared of it, so I don't carry it around. I leave it here. But the thing is. I ordered a um, one of those pollution detectors uh, several weeks ago, and they're being rebuilt to become more sensitive towards some of these. And uh, they're they won't be available till uh, February. I want to get one of those because I can go around if somebody has a a cell phone or somebody has some some place that they think that. Um, might be a problem that we can turn this on and find out if they're if we're getting uh, blasted with uh, these other they're not electrons electrons have a negative charge to them what you have is, are protons and neutrons and and it'll detect the protons and neutrons you've spent the entire show today telling your personal story about how you've been able to solve medical challenge you've confronted over the past year but the other piece of this Randy is you do consultations for individuals and have done many uh, for individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's so before we close out this pre-recorded session tell people about your nutritional consultation work well if after you've heard this this uh, discussion or seen it, you might be stimulated to have a telephone consultation with me, I would suggest that you go to my website called My Happy Hormones. You will see a, a, a knob that says consultations. Just click on that and read the letter, the little letter that I have, and below that are, are forms. Uh, I have about seven forms for various things, but one of them is a comprehensive uh, Parkinson's uh, consultation form. So you can download that, you can print it out, you can do whatever you want to with that. I, I would suggest you do that as a first step, and if you go through that and it sounds like this is something that you would like to do with me, then then email me or call me and we'll set up an appointment. But go through that first. Some people don't want to fill out all those questions. But I, w I do that for a purpose. I, I, have, I have a number of pages and a lot of questions to ask. I want to know everything I can know. I want to know everything that, that there is to know about your health, your nutrition, your lifestyle, to see if we can't overcome some of these, at least some of these um, symptoms associated with Parkinson's disease. And um, I've had I've had consultations with people around the country, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, New York City, several in New York City have called me and had consultations with me, other parts of the country. So, um, but I look primarily at nutrition but I also look at the number of prescriptions you're taking to find out if there aren't, are any um, interactions 
and what we can do to maybe eliminate some of those reactions or drug nutrient depletions. A lot of drugs have what we call drug nutrient depletions. You're taking a drug for to, to help to correct a certain uh, problem and lo and behold we find that it's sucking out some nutrition whether it's vitamin B6 or whatever it is that's causing a totally different problem and it could be overcome very easily by taking increased amounts of vitamin B6 or whatever. And, 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 if, and, and, and so the best way to get in touch with me is to go onto my uh, website www.myhappyhormones.com and rather than to give you a whole bunch of numbers here you can get all the information on that website my phone number, my fax number and so on and so forth. So I'd be glad to talk to you. Um, the best way to contact me is probably to email me because um, I don't always carry my <laughs> cell, phone. cell phone around. And what is that email address? Well, the email address is is randyrphconsulting.com. It's R A N D Y R P H. It's R A N D Y R P H consulting at gmail. Dot com. So it's R A N D Y R P H Consulting at Gmail dot com. Randy, thanks so much for telling your story today. It will have a profound impact on thousands of people. Well, that would be very exciting if it did. But, but the, the main thing is, my goal is to try to help people feel better. And if we can do that in some way, then I figure that uh, we've attained our goal. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this program, that you are on the road to recovery. This is Robert Rogers, and this is Parkinson's Recovery. Have a marvelous Thanksgiving week. Good day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.